millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There were three ravens sat on a tree. Down a down, hey down a down. They were as black as they might be with a down. One of them said to his mate, Where shall we our breakfast take? With a down, dairy, 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 down, down. Hello and welcome to a special Advent 2023 edition of the Three Ravens podcast. My name's Martin Vaux. I'm a writer, storyteller and English romanticism obsessive. And I'm joined, as ever, by my partner in crime and all dark hearts, Eleanor Conlon. Hello! We're now well over halfway through our countdown to Christmas, where over 12 days of mini episodes, we've been using the 12 Days of Christmas song as a framework about which to waffle on about interesting historical and folkloric tidbits roughly related to Yuletide. Day 8. Five gold rings. All this ho ho hoing is starting to require serious <laughs> diaphragm control. I don't quite know how you're going to do 12 in one go, but I'm looking forward to finding yeah, out. Yeah, it may require two breaths. Anyway, five gold rings or five golden rings in some versions of the song. And frankly, the golden ring is an incredibly rich icon of folklore. We could do an hour on this one. Easy. We're not going to. We're going to keep it brief and breezy, aren't we? Aren't we? Yeah, we are. Now, it's worth saying that rings have cropped up in plenty of past Three Ravens episodes, including notably the fish in the ring, which I told us part of our Northumberland episode. And let's not forget the gold part of the equation, because... At the risk of stating the obvious, gold is synonymous with wealth in folklore, isn't it? Well, of course. And this is because, unlike every other metal in existence, gold does not corrode. People love silver, 
of course, but it does tarnish. And yes, in 1735, Spanish scientist Antonio de Ulloa did invent platinum, which also does not corrode. But before then, gold was seen as a magical substance, malleable and versatile, yet capable of maintaining its beauty and luster seemingly for all eternity. We are big fans of gold in our house. Oh, yeah. A lot of our picture frames are painted gold, and though modern fashions in home decor and architecture seem to favour steel and chrome and glass, we are all about gold and cream and honey tones, aren't we? We are. And of course, having gilded things was, for the longest time, a symbol of prosperity and endurance, like the metal itself. It was, famously, in the story of Jesus' birth, one of the three gifts brought to Bethlehem by the three wise men, or the three magi, or the three kings, depending on your translation. Yes, named since the 8th century as Caspar, Melchior and Balthazar, with Balthazar bringing myrrh, a symbol for death and mourning, Caspar bringing frankincense, a symbol of worship, and Melchior bringing gold, representing kingship and the union between the earthly and the eternal. Quite right. And that idea of eternity and the eternal is also embodied by the ring. It's a circle with no end, symbolising something which goes on forever. And for this reason, rings have been used in marriage ceremonies for a very long time, the earliest records seeming to come from ancient Egypt. That's very interesting. And we know the ancient Egyptians liked gold. Who doesn't like gold? Did they use gold for wedding rings? No, they usually exchanged woven rings of reeds or hemp, which did decay. Okay, but we do carry on the tradition of placing wedding rings on the fourth finger because the vein that runs through that finger runs to the heart and therefore was and is thought to represent the vein of love. That's very cute. I mean, a moment ago, I wasn't thinking about love. I was thinking of dragons. As per... <laughs> Specifically, I was thinking of the Ouroboros, oh, right, the ancient mythological snake or dragon famous for biting its own tail and making a never-ending circle. Yeah, again, the Ouroboros is a symbol of eternity and interestingly is first found in ancient Egyptian wall art. There it's said to symbolise the union of Ra and Osiris, so the god of the sun and life and the god of death, as well as the idea of order being made out of chaos. So previously that snake was Mehen, one of many primordial entities wriggling about in the chaos of the new universe, and out of that chaos, by biting its tail, it creates a union and cycle of both the year as well as eternity travelling round and round, repeating itself ad infinitum. But the word Ouroboros is actually Greek, isn't it? It is, and it means Oro, tail, boros, eater. So tail eater. Fascinating. And there are loads and loads of gold rings in folklore. Oh, yeah. One of them being a mythical creation I would very much like to own, Draupnir, which is Odin's golden ring. Yeah, I'd like you to own it too, as you'd be able to buy me presents all the time. And I would too, <laughs> because Draupnir in Norse mythology is a magical gold golden ring forged by Broca and Eitri alongside Thor's hammer Mjolnir and Gullinbursti, a boar with golden bristles which glow in the dark who Freya rides about when she wants to get things done. Oh, beats catching the bus, doesn't it? But she can keep Gullinbursti and Thor can keep his hammer too because every nine nights Draupnir, Odin's golden ring, multiplies itself birthing forth eight identical golden rings. It's a pretty good deal really and it's probably worth saying that in Norse and Viking culture Rings weren't often just finger rings either. No, very often rings, as mentioned in Norse mythology, uh, including uh, Saxon texts like Beowulf and so on, weren't 
finger rings, but also arm rings. And they were given out as patronage by lords and kings to show kinship and honour and respect, all that good stuff. We might think of them as a bit like a bangle, I suppose. Although some may have been worn on the wrist, some may have been worn on the upper arm above the bicep. And we've talked about magic rings before on the podcast, haven't we? Oh, definitely. And I love some of the surviving ancient rings we found in England, including the Golden Ring of Sylvianus from around 4 AD, as found in Hampshire in the 18th century, along with the seven surviving Anglo-Saxon rings, like the Bramham Moor Ring and the King Moor Ring. These are all runic rings, each inscribed with glyphs or runes intended to protect from injury in battle or disease. They are absolutely amazing objects. They are stunning, although sadly written in languages we still don't fully understand. No, although, as mentioned on past episodes, they did provide the inspiration for J.R.R. Tolkien when writing The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, making them even cooler than they already were. But magic rings are hardly an Anglo-Saxon invention, are they? They crop up much earlier than that. Oh, definitely. For example, example, in The Republic, written in 375 BC, Plato writes about the Ring of Gyges, which was found in a cave by a shepherd called Gyges. Shepherd again, keeping it Christmas adjacent. Good, good. And once he found this ring... Gyges found he could turn invisible, a bit like Bilbo and Frodo, but instead of casting it into a volcano, he used it to sneak in and spy on Nysia, queen of the Lydian Empire, who was said to be the most beautiful woman in the world at the time. Oh, come on, Gyges, you bad man, no. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't get better from there, because from seeing Nysia bathing, Gyges decided that there was no other option than to make her his wife. So... Gyges kills her husband, Candoles, and becomes king of Lydia, and then he goes on to found the Mermnad Empire. And... Did he pay a price for his bad behaviour? Nope. He's said to have given a vast gift of gold to the oracle at Delphi to apologise, to which the oracle said, Oh, no, no. It was fine the whole time, Gyges. You were always destined to become king. Yeah, you do wonder what the oracle might have said if he hadn't given her a truckload of gold first. Details, Eleanor, details. Now, I know that you were also studying Middle Eastern mythology a little while ago while researching the poetry of Robert Southey. And a famous ring out of that tradition is, of course, the Ring of Solomon. Yeah, that one is fascinating. Solomon, of course, was thought to have been the son of David, the Goliath-slaying king of of Israel, with Solomon said to have built the first temple of Jerusalem where people could speak directly to Yahweh, aka God himself. And in addition to becoming the wealthiest king mentioned in all Abrahamic religion and building the Ark of the Covenant to contain the Ten Commandments, along with the rod of Aaron, the magical staff wielded by Moses' brother, and a literal pot of mana from heaven. He sounds a lot like a wizard, doesn't he, old (laughs) Solomon? He does. And his ring, aka the Seal of Solomon, which was thought to bear a pentagram, or possibly a six-sided star, aka a hexagram, which from the 11th century, became explicitly associated with Judaism and known as the Star of David. But most importantly, the Ring of Solomon was said to have magical properties enabling Solomon to control the supernatural. It enabled him to speak to animals, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and to speak to and control demons such as Shadim and Jinn, and the demon Asmodeus, as mentioned in our Demons episode, who for a while, Solomon commanded 
to mind his throne and his kingdom for 40 days while he just took a break from ruling. What? Hold the phone. Oh, yeah. should that be hold the throne? <laughs> so, King Solomon left one of the princes of hell in charge of his empire so he could go on holiday. Yeah, as you do. Well, I need to know more about this. <laughs> it's wow. a whole story. Yeah, yeah. And for the longest time, Middle Eastern and European alchemists were very interested in using rings in occult practice, trying to recreate something like the Seal of Solomon. They wanted to control demons and spirits, as well as to offer protection and other magical properties. Mix all that together and you end up with Arn Thompson Uther Index number 560, the magic ring, which contains at least 16 distinct folktales. One of them being the fish in the ring, of course. Oh, yeah, which actually a version of it involves Solomon losing his ring in the sea where it's eaten by a fish, which is caught by a fisherman, which is cooked by a cook and then served back up to, guess who? Solomon, because he was the right person to have the ring in the first place. It's basically like a whole ring cycle of its own. Which, of course, makes me think of Wagner's ring cycle. Of course, um, yeah. The sequence of operas he wrote surrounding the ring of the Nibelungens. Very interesting sort of German folklore yeah. and tradition oh, there. Oh, it's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Well, it feels like this mini-episode has been a proper adventure. We've been well, all over the place. Excellent, good. We aim to please, don't we? And Eleanor, what will you be talking about on tomorrow's Advent mini-episode? Tomorrow, it's four collie birds, so that's going to be fun. And just to be clear, what exactly is a collie bird? Oh, you'll find out tomorrow, won't you? Well, I suppose I will, yes. In the meantime, though, while our golden rings have rolled off that way, we'll go this way. And remember, don't whistle till you're out of the woods. God sent every gentleman Such hounds, such hawks and such leemen With a down, derry, 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 down, down Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.